All right, so we've been, uh, over the last four weeks of this sermon series, uh, the first week was receive the call. Second week, cultivate capacity. Last week, Chris, uh, Pastor Christina talked about embracing the charge of ministry. And this week, talking about us being called together. Uh, no fancy title. The name of the sermon is Called Together. <laughs> and that's on purpose. We are called to ministry together. We may understand our role in ministry separately and individually, and we'll talk about that throughout this sermon, but we have to make sure that before we move any further, we embrace the truth. We are called to ministry together. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, and um, some of you... This is a familiar passage. If you've been hanging around Unison for a while, this is a passage, a portion of Scripture that we talk about a few times a year. Part of it is talking about the diversity of the church. Paul does a great job of talking about the different kinds of people and the different ways in which we as people have embodied different demographics, even in this portion. But this is also a portion of Scripture that you're used to hearing about when you're talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual gift assessment. How many of you have ever done like a spiritual gifts test? Yes. And how many of you do them like every two years to see if they've changed, right? Like, like as I ain't like mine. <laughs> like, I'm going back. I'm going to see again. Oh, it's the same? Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. What is exhortation actually? Like, what? Right? Like, that's how you feel. Like, I don't even know what this word means. It's okay. We'll talk about that today, too. <laughs> uh, but I will always want us to remember Paul is writing a letter. He did not write this as a textbook about how to live in Christ. That's important. Paul is responding to questions. So it would be, some of you have emailed me. You've asked me questions. It's no different. There are things that are contextual within what Paul is saying because he's responding to a letter. Like the first verse of chapter 12 is, now concerning your question about spiritual gifts. <laughs> like he literally talks about the fact that they asked him some questions first. That's important for us to know when we start thinking about this because oftentimes, because the Bible is split up into verses and chapters and all of that stuff, we jump in believing it's like a textbook. Like, if you want to talk about multiplication, you go to chapter 3.1 in your math book in third grade. Some of you had a math book like that. 3.1. And 3.2 is multiplication of multiple digits, right? That is not how the Bible works. No book of the Bible works that way. Paul is writing a letter from verse 1 of 1 Corinthians all the way to the last verse of chapter 16. And there is a flow of thought all the way through it too. So... Before we even start talking about this, let's talk about the flow of thought. I'm going to make it real simple. 
Paul is writing to them so that they maintain their fellowship with one another, period. That is the undercurrent of 1 Corinthians is all about them maintaining their fellowship with one another from the beginning to the end. If you read early parts of, of this book, He's talking to them about some of you are saying that you're followers of Apollos and some of you are saying that you're followers of Cephas and some of you are saying that you're followers of Paul and he's like, squash all that. Everybody's following Jesus. And then he starts talking to them about how they do that together. A side note, even though we're not going to get there today, chapter 13 is the love chapter. Some of you, you had Somebody read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 at your wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love doesn't boast. Love keeps no record of wrong. And all of those things are very important for every relationship you have and definitely in marriage. Please, we need to know love has to be patient in all of our relationships. But Paul is not talking about marriage there. I know I messed some of y'all up. He's not talking about marriage. Paul is wildly unromantic. <laughs> Let's just be real. In chapter 7, he is like, listen, don't even worry about getting married. <laughs> Y'all fo- focus more on Jesus. Like, if you get married, then your, your focus is divided. If you can't help yourself, get married. That is literally what he says in chapter 7 of the same book. So we know he's not talking about marriage in chapter 13. He's talking about how we maintain our union, our fellowship with one another. If there's any confusion about how you maintain your fellowship, let me point it out and make it very clear. Love one another. That's the whole premise of 1 Corinthians is that we maintain our unity And so when he starts talking about different spiritual gifts, he's not breaking with that thought. So that's where we jump in. Chapter 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one holy body, one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Pause. I told you every time I see the word slave in Scripture, I struggle. I just do. And so I always have to pause when I have those moments. Paul is not giving an all-exhaustive list of the ways in which we're different. He's also not justifying any one thing or another. He's just simply saying we all embody different demographics. So if Paul were sending this to us in an email or putting, putting this out on social media, we are all different. Some of us are Hispanic. Some of us are black. Some of us are Asian 
Some of us are in our 30s. Some of us are in our 40s. Some of us have full-time jobs. Some of us receive disability. Some of us live in a trailer. Some of us have a three-story home, dot, 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 all the different ways. Even in our church family, that would be embodied. Paul is just pointing to that. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just to point out we're different. But all of us have been baptized into one Christ. And we share the same spirit. He continues in 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, that would not be fun. No, <laughs> sorry. I just all of a sudden had a moment where, like, you get, a, you know, have an eyelash that gets in your eye, and it's like the worst thing in the world when you're driving. Like, like if that was your whole body, anyway, if. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. He's setting us up. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special, the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Stop for a second. He goes through this long, elaborate metaphor because he's keeping in line with the current of his theme throughout the whole letter. We got different parts, but we're all a part of one thing. How, if it's, how is it that you would feel if, on, if the body was only one part? It would not function the way that it needs to. He's making a point because they asked him a question about spiritual gifts. This is in that same section. I have to imagine, since we don't know, we don't have the first correspondence from the, the church of Corinth. We don't know what, he asked, what they asked. But there are some clues in the rest of 1 Corinthians that would give us some understanding that they had some struggles with what part of the body they were, some of them were playing, and some of them wanted other parts. Some of them wanted to speak in tongues. Some of them wanted to be able to do miracles. Some of them wanted to preach. Some of them wanted to do this. And Paul, I, I would imagine, goes a step further. And let me tell you a little bit about this that you are. I know that you desire to do certain things, but let me tell you a little bit about the body and the function 
of us doing this together. But this is a part that we often kind of glaze over because it's weird. Is Paul talking about our private parts in the Bible? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. He's basically saying your face is beautiful. And everybody gets to see that part. But there are the other parts of your body that everybody doesn't get to see. And you make sure they don't see it, don't you? You take special care of those parts. And the whole body benefits because of that special care. We don't do that. We don't follow that metaphor well when it comes to the church. We don't. Uh, I should let you saw so a couple of weeks ago, I told you guys that I, um, I, f- I have felt like the Lord has called me to do something else in this season. And so I'm actually writing about this. Um, this, this very thing has become a part of a whole book. <laughs> what Paul is talking about in terms of us doing this together. And I start off the book with, if I had any special power, it would be like Storm from the X-Men. Some of you know who Storm is. She legit was the most powerful X-Men, <laughs> period. And I, w- I will have a whole debate about it if you want to, but we won't do that right now. Okay? But this woman can fly and control the weather. Like, what do you have against controlling barometric pressure? Like, <laughs> she could actually change the atmosphere. And the moment that you feel like you have the upper hand, she just brings, brings, brings in a blizzard, and you just freeze to death, and then what? <laughs> over and over again, the rest of the team was saved by storm. Especially, like, if you watch the animated series... They did such a great job of showing how ridiculously powerful this woman was. That's what I would want. Sorry, I'm just being honest with y'all. That's what I would want. But I think a part of why I want that is because I like the idea of being incredibly powerful and not needing anyone and everyone relying on me because of the attention that it brings me. Just being honest, I've had to mature and grow through that, but also if I'm going to be completely honest, that was one of the most exciting things about being called to be a pastor. Because in our culture, the pastor doesn't really need the rest of the church, and the whole church needs the pastor. Let's just be real. I'm just being honest. I've matured past it, but when I first started really processing ministry, I liked the fact that that was prestige and powerful. And when I walk in the room, everyone would know that the pastor was there. Storm just flew in. They're going to all ask me questions. I'm going to get to pray for them. And their lives will be transformed by the power of God working through me. I'm just being transparent and real. I've matured past that, okay? I'm being honest. I've matured past it. But... That's kind of how we talk about spiritual gifts. We talk about spiritual gifts from that standpoint of these are the ones that are the most powerful. (laughs) 
And, and so we all kind of want those ones. We all kind of want the ones that get the prestige. Yeah, I want to do miracles. Administration? Uh-uh. I mean, hey, what? Yeah, I want to heal people. I mean, lead, what? I don't Compassion, what does that even really mean? Like, aren't we all called to have compassion? Can I have a special power? We don't do this well in the body of Christ because we don't talk about our need for each other. And we don't truly lean into that need. And a part of why we don't lean in is because we like the idea that at some point I can serve God and be the body of Christ by myself. At some point as I mature, I will be able to be the body of Christ as, a part, as opposed to us living in what Paul was saying over and over and over again. As you mature, you get to be your part of the body better. And no part is more important and If we're going to do this well, you would honor the parts that nobody wants more. In unison, the parts of the body that are probably the least desirable are facilities and upper elementary teacher. What? Listen, if we're going to do this together, we have to be real. If we're going to do this, we have to be honest with each other. We struggle as a church finding people who are interested in serving our upper elementary children. We have, from the beginning of Unison's life, it is an undesirable, in our community, it's an undesirable place to, to serve. Oh, man, that makes us feel bad, doesn't it? It's okay. We should be convicted. It's all right. When I'm, I'm not saying it's undesirable because we don't like our kids. I'm saying it because the proof is in the pudding. There's not enough of us serving them. But a part of why there's not enough of us serving them is because we don't honor those individuals serving them the way that we should. That was a conviction of mine this week. I'm sorry, family. If we were to live out of what Paul was saying, there would not be a whole month dedicated to pastoral appreciation at Unison. There would be a month dedicated to people who clean the toilets and serve our upper elementary kids. I'm sorry that we've not done that. That's on me as a leader, but us as a body as well. So October, we don't need to spend any time. You can say thanks. I appreciate that. But we don't need special things for me. October, let's turn that into the part of our particular local church that struggles is upper elementary and toilet cleaners. So let us thank them. Those of you who are serving in upper elementary and cleaning toilets, can I just have a wave real quick? 
Honestly, thank you. Some of them are back there right now. Thank you. While everyone else has overlooked what you do, even myself, you have served the Lord and ministered to our children in ways in which shape their faith and their life, their understanding of God and their understanding of how to do life together and worship God and do their Christian fellowship isn't solely rested in your hands, but you have such a significant influence, and I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for the ways in which you have been shaping my own children. I'm grateful for the ways in which their lives will be transformed because of your selflessness. Thank you. Those of, I don't even know if Aaron is in the room. I know he was here earlier, but he's probably somewhere bopping around cleaning something. (laughs) Aaron works hard during the week to make sure that we can, we go into the bathroom and it's clean. When you see him, thank him. That feels awkward to us because we're not used to doing it. It feels awkward to us because we've culturally diminished those roles. And it's time for us as a family to bring honor to those roles because that's what the Bible tells us to do. So it's okay for it to feel awkward. It won't feel awkward in three months. It'll feel normal in three months. Because it will be normal. Let's normalize honoring the roles of individuals who are serving in ways in which are more challenging and honestly feel less honorable. Let's be intentional there. Because when we're intentional to honor those parts of our body that receive less honor in our culture... Everyone is glad to be a part of the body. That's what Paul is talking about. Everyone's glad to be a part of the body. And so regardless of where we are, whether we're the pastor or we're serving fourth graders, when we see that that equitable honoring... I'm using the word equitable on purpose. Equitable honoring, even the ones that get caught up in the middle of that spectrum of honor, feel glad to be. Because, wait a minute, if that role is worthy of honor, then so is mine. We're not all just looking to one or two particular roles. We're honoring one another. All of you together, this is, is, says in 27, all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is just part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. Third, our teachers. And then those who do miracles. That's not like prioritizing or saying this one is the more important. I know that some of us have actually heard that. That's not what it is. He's just simply separating them. Like, just causing us to see that I'm creating a bullet list. 
those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who can speak in unknown languages. That's not an exhaustive list. I said something to, uh, to a friend. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and like nowhere in the Bible do you see singing as a spiritual gift, <laughs> right? But we know that there's something that, that we know that there's some power there, right? Paul is not actually giving us all the things that are in the that are in the body of Christ. That's not what Paul is doing. Paul is simply saying that there are different parts. All of them have different functions. And here come some parts right now. Yes. Come on in here. <laughs> All of them have different functions. Paul isn't actually giving us a list that says, now pick one. As much as we would like that, and as easy as that would be, I think we have to actually allow ourselves to mature and to see that there's something more complex happening here. This is not me saying we should never do spiritual gifts assessments. They are important. But it's also okay for us to know that every way in which we will function in the body isn't going to be found on a spiritual gifts assessment. <laughs> because there's no room on a spiritual gifts assessment for some of the ways in which there's no room for tech <laughs> on a spiritual gifts, gifts assessment. But trust me, y'all don't want to come here with the tech people ain't here. <laughs> What Paul is actually saying is this. Your access to Holy Spirit power has been tapered to reinforce your need for one another. <laughs> you are intimately connected to an all-powerful being who in his good, perfect, and pleasing will and wisdom says you shouldn't have all that by yourself. You need one another. So I've divided myself and my power amongst you. That's really what Paul is saying. Some of you will be apostles. Some of you will be evangelists. Some of you will be teachers. Some, a few of you will do miracles. Some of you will speak in tongues, and some of you will interpret those. Not so that we start trying to figure out what part I'm doing as much as it is just to say, whatever I'm doing, I need the other parts to make sure that it's done well. Because here's the truth. If we begin maturing in our area of ministry separate from others, said this in the, in the, earlier in this uh, sermon series, we're not actually maturing. That's like lifting weights on one side of your body. That's not a thing. You look all on balance, then you, your shirt don't fit right, okay? <laughs> he continues, are all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then he actually starts talking about love. That's literally the next 
chapter is to talk about loving one another. He diverts from talking about the gifts of the Spirit to talk about the fruit of the Spirit on purpose. He says, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, not because the most helpful gifts are the ones that are the most desirable. He's keeping in line with a, with a, a flow of thought. I want you all to be united in what you do. Stop trying to jockey for the most important gift. Stop trying to find the one that is going to make you feel the best. Stop trying to find the one that's going to make everyone look at you more. Stop trying to find the one that's going to, that's going to cover that insecurity you have, Chase. <laughs> Trust that the Holy Spirit knows what the Holy Spirit is doing. And whatever it is you do, it has incredible value in the body of Christ. We need every single part functioning or the whole thing isn't truly functioning. You know what it is if you stump your toe and you limp for two days and how your back starts feeling that? We've been limping for a long time, family. The church has been limping for a long time. The church has been functioning as though there's only one part that's important, and that part is getting drained. Google depressed pastors. Google how many pastors left ministry during the pandemic. That's not just me. I didn't just come up with the idea that pastors are the most important part of the body of Christ. We all were taught that. That's something we all caught. Shame on us as the church. It's not true. This is just a role. It's a part of the body. No less or more important than any other part because, and we see that, by how many pastors are struggling. We see that by how many people are not actually engaged in ministry because they can't find any part that, to do that they feel like is important. We have to, as a church, mature beyond that. Everything that is needed here is important. Everything. So we're anointed by the Holy Spirit to carry out ministry in our individual roles, but we are commissioned by one another. What I mean by that is we are the one, the church says to one member of the church, yes, we are glad that you feel called to that part of our shared work. We're glad that you feel a part of our body and you're giving yourself fully to it. We affirm it and we bless you as you do it. Right? That's kind of like the hand massaging the foot after a long day. That really is what that's like. Thank you for carrying us today. 
I know it was tight. Let me bless you and thank you. That's what that is. So, we, I want to commission some of us today. Some of you know that you are called to serve in areas of administration. Details are your jam. And you did not know that nobody told you that the Holy Spirit anointed you with numbers. <laughs> and like, uh, it's, yes, I'm talking to the two of you. Look, they're over here like, you, you, Ness, both of y'all. <laughs> and I would love if you know that the Lord has gifted you with understanding structures and systems and details truly, like checking off boxes brings joy to a depth of your soul as though somebody just gave their life to Jesus. For those of us who are evangelists, we feel a certain excitement when somebody gives their life to Jesus. It doesn't mean that everybody isn't saved if they're not as that excited. <laughs> I know that feels weird to us. It just means that's not why, that's not how they're gifted. Everyone shares in joy, but there are some of us, when that happens, we want to run around a room for a minute. <laughs> and some of us are like, yes, thank you, Lord, we're, and we're praying. But we don't feel an urge to run around the room. Some of you, when you check a box off, you want to run around the room. <laughs> and it's because that's the part of the body in which you function. Everybody stand up with me if you're able. Some of you were standing in your hearts, but you didn't want to stand on your feet. I get it. <laughs> and some of you are like, legit, he ain't say nothing that I do. <laughs> it's not an exhaustive list. But if you're in this room, simply because we are a part of the body of Christ, you have a role in the body of Christ. Whether it's here or at a different local congregation or a different part. Some of us are literally moving soon regardless of where you're going, regardless of who you are. You are a part of the body of Christ. And however it is that the Spirit has anointed you, do it. Trust me, the body is limping if you are not working in it. The world cannot see Christ fully if you are not functioning the way that you are anointed to do so. And if the world cannot see Christ clearly, then we are not doing our jobs as the church. Whatever it is we do, may we do so with grace, love, but also may we do so with power and together. Because when we work together, the power of God falls in ways in which we cannot put words to. When we do it separately, good things get done, but we don't experience the Holy Spirit's power till its fullest. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll go. Father, I thank you for these folks who represent your body. We are just a part of your body. That's it. Your full 
the church is so incredibly big. It's huge. And every part of this world, you have representation. And every part of this world, some places, it's much fewer. And you are sending evangelists to that place. Some places, it's abundant. And you are raising up shepherds in that place. In some places, God, there needs to be more structure and you are raising up people who are, have leadership and administrative gifts. In some places, there is the need for healing because disease runs rampant there and you are sending healers. Regardless, Lord, we want to embody you well. We want the world to see you shining through us. So regardless of our age, regardless of our gender, regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of all of the things that might cause us to feel separated, we unite ourselves We humble ourselves and we honor those whom the world would humble so that you are glorified and the world sees you clearly in us. Teach us how to honor one another. Teach us so that we will be glad to serve you in the ways in which you have anointed us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God, if there's any folks whom I've missed simply because I can't see everything. Holy Spirit, interpret for us. You commission, you honor, because you can do that. May we all feel your Holy Spirit empowering. Fill us afresh, God. Breathe on us yet again, Jesus so that we would be filled with your spirit. Operating in the fullness of your power together. It's in your name we pray. Amen.